Oh, it is so good to be back home. I just can't even say how good it is to be back here in this booth. Hi, Thomas Miller on the Fun Astrology and Merriman Market Analyst Saturday Weekly Financial Report. Let's dig right into this. We'll talk about the trip and all of that later in next week's episodes and beyond. But let's catch up on a busy financial week. First of all, from yesterday's CNBC.com, job growth posted a surprisingly strong increase in January, demonstrating again that the U.S. labor market is solid and poised to support broader economic growth. Non-farm payrolls expanded by 353,000 for the month much better than the Dow Jones estimate for 185000 Wage growth also showed strength as average hourly earnings increased 0.6%, double the monthly estimate, end quote. And then this from the Wall Street Journal yesterday as well. This was the newsmaker it was posted as the market closed. The U.S. began a series of airstrikes on Iranian-backed militias in Syria and Iraq on Friday hitting seven facilities in a bid to deter further attacks against American forces in the region after U.S. troops were killed in a deadly drone strike in Jordan. The Biden administration said that the strikes could extend for days and would be coupled with economic sanctions and diplomacy that is aimed at safeguarding American forces while not pushing the U.S. toward direct confrontation with Iran. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Thursday that the U.S. can repeat its strikes as long as the threat warrants. They have a lot of capability, he said. I have more. Now raise commentary. So the world, and especially the U.S. versus Iran, Hamas, and Russia, move one step closer to a world war that has everything already going on except the title. This at-the-market close also represents another step in the the flip-the-script narrative related to the Sun-Pluto ingress into Aquarius on January 20th. Mercury does the same on Monday, followed by Mars and Venus on February 13th to 17th. That is, each of these planets crosses the supercharged zero degrees Aquarius point that launched the new era, AIRA, on December 20th, 2020, when Jupiter and Saturn conjoined there for the first time in about 800 years. It's not only that, as discussed in this year's Forecast 2024 book, and which will be reviewed with images in the February 18th Forecast 2024 webinar, Pluto becomes the first of the three outermost planets to ingress into a new sign between 2023 and 2025, That hasn't happened in 300 years. Before that, it was 300 more. Furthermore, the last time Pluto entered Aquarius was April 1777, and that Neptune entered Aries, April 1861, and Uranus entered Gemini in August of 1941, were within months of the three most important wars in U.S. history. Thus, there is a cosmic cycle pertaining to the United States that requires both awareness and wisdom in knowing how to handle it correctly, lest it escalate further out of control quickly. It's a delicate balance between deterrence and aggression. The principle of Saturn and Mars, as Mars currently travels through Capricorn, Saturn's ruling sign. Fortunately, it is exalted there. 
But what happens when it ingresses into Aquarius on February 13th, which is much more excitable and easily aroused to impulsive action? Question mark. I find it peculiar that the announcement came less than four minutes before the U.S. stock market closed. Prior to that, U.S. stocks were in the process of making a secondary top to their all-time highs that had just been achieved at 3.30 p.m., 30 minutes before the close. During that interval of time, the S&P futures fell about 25 points. Although the S&P and Dow Jones Industrial Average made all-time highs on Friday, the Nasdaq futures fell short by just 18 points from their high of January 24th at 17,793. This constitutes a new case of intermarket bearish divergence in the U.S. New all-time or multi-year highs on Friday were also established in Germany, Netherlands, and in India. The Australian ASX fell slightly short of its all-time high of January 2022, while Zurich's SMI index popped into its highest price since June 2023. China's Shanghai Composite was less fortunate as China's economic struggles continue. The SSE fell to 28.66 on Friday, its lowest level since April 2022, when it bottomed at 28.63. Maybe this is a double bottom? If not, it will fall to its lowest level since March of 2020. As would be expected, the late-day announcement of the military activity stopped the bleeding in silver, gold, and crude oil, as each had taken sharp hits following the bullish jobs report. That is, each of these commodities was strong following Jerome Powell's speech on Thursday, suggesting that it may be getting close to easing rates again, but not just yet. Crude oil was especially strong as it rallied to $79.29 last week, its highest mark since November 30th at $79.60 but by Friday it had fallen nearly 10% to a low of 71.79, which is close to a Fibonacci 61.8% correction of its prior rally from the low of December 12th. Silver also gave back that same 61.8% of its rally into Friday's low. The most stable market last week was, surprise, Bitcoin, which traded in a tight range between 42,600 and 44,900. Now we switch to the short-term geocosmics, beginning with an article by Dr. Paul Donovan from UBS Morning Call on Thursday, February 1st. He said, The violent swings in U.S. equity pricing yesterday tell investors all they need to know about Federal Reserve Chair Powell's communication skills. In the battle between extremists predicting a hard landing and the realists who see a soft economic landing, the Fed seems to tilt toward a soft landing. The Bank of England has two advantages relative to the Fed. It is headed by a real-life economist and communications are always more convincing when delivered with a British accent. And then this from the infamous Peggy Noonan of the Wall Street Journal, February 3rd. She says, Who owns you? Not who do you work for or what do you believe, but who bought your loyalty? That's the problem in Washington in three words. The social media companies have bought up Washington. They give money to politicians and political action committees, to think tanks and media shops. They hire the most influential and respected. 
They give the children of politicians jobs. Mr. Kennedy mordantly joked about this at the hearings. We know we're in a recession when Google has to lay off 25 members of Congress, he said. And this from CBS News yesterday on Friday. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow on Groundhog Day 2024, meaning an early spring is on the way. Now back to Ray's commentary. Last week, it was the standoff between Texas and the United States government over the lack of border controls. This week, it's between the U.S. government and Iran and Syria over attacks on U.S. forces in the region. Next week, it will be, well, we don't know. It's all so Uranian, and Uranus and the sign it rules of Aquarius being highlighted portends big surprises, big market moves, and sudden reversals. The surprise nature of both the planet and the sign is why this column recently mentioned that the season of Aquarius from January 20th to February 18th is usually a very difficult climate for traders, and it doesn't appear ready to let up. This week, we'll find Venus trying Uranus on February 7th, the Sun square Uranus on February 8th, and Mercury ingressing into Aquarius on February 5th. This is followed by both Mars and Venus entering Aquarius, conjunct Pluto at zero degrees Aquarius, from February 13th to 17th. This year's Aquarius season is especially hard hit with disruptive cosmic positions, And, of course, all of this is on a path to the 14-year Jupiter-Uranus synodic conjunction cycle that takes place on April 20th, just as the Bitcoin halving event is to occur. There's a lot of money to be made in trading these next three months if your timing is good, and a lot of money to be lost if your timing and discipline are not up to the task. And the Merriman Market Analyst team has ideas on this, and they will be sharing those in a February 18th Forecast 2024 Update webinar. More information and registration links are available in the forecast at MMACycles.com. Now, Puxatani Phil may not have seen his shadow this year, but Thomas did, so I'm going back to bed. A <laughs> little more sleep for this old man. It was a busy, packed two weeks, but very, very fun. Loved seeing those grandkids. All right, you guys have a great one. I'll be back with Level Up tomorrow night from here at home base, and then a full week of podcasts next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.